This is the Danger Close Podcast, Beyond the Books, with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My guest today is Nate Boyer. Now, Nate has an interesting story, goes to Sudan, then goes to the X-ray program for Army Special Forces, goes to college, walks on, plays ball, then to the NFL, plays for the Seahawks, now is in Hollywood, and he has a important new film out, and it is called MVP. Just watched it last night. Highly recommend everyone check it out. Uh, it's powerful. It's emotional. It's raw. He is the writer, director. He stars in it, and you can find it at vetsandplayers.org. And if you're watching this the day the podcast drops, then you can also find it in select theaters across the country. So now, without further ado, Nate Boyer. All right, dude, thanks for doing this. Where are you headed right now? Bro, oh, thank you. San Antonio, San Antonio and Austin for a couple of days, and I'm going to go to New York uh, for a couple more. And this is all MVP. Uh, are you in like a tour? What's going on? Yeah, it's a mix of stuff. So I'm actually doing a, a, there's a veterans charity event out in uh, San Antonio, Warrior Rising. I don't know if you've ever heard of Warrior Rising. I don't know that one. Uh, like veteran entrepreneurship. Uh, started by a buddy of mine. I started with an SF that was a West Point dude. Okay. Um, so that's Wednesday night. And then Thursday morning, doing some stuff with Fox Sports uh, and ESPN before the uh, Texas Longhorn Alabama game up in Austin. And then New York doing the NFL Network, Good Morning Football, and just some other like Forbes and Grand. Man, on the tour, on the and when is this? When can people see this? So I watched it last night. Thanks for the early look. Uh, man, it's powerful. But uh, when is this thing? When is this thing out? When can people see it? And where can they see it? It's in, it's in thirty-five theaters across the country on the night of September fourteenth. So that's next Wednesday night. Got it. So I know uh, you're talking about trying to get this out Wednesday morning. I think that would be actually really cool. So it's like Wednesday, Wednesday night. I don't know. Not a ton going on. Maybe there's an opportunity there. You know, people can go. Nice. Nice. Go out to the movies. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you get, so we met at uh, the special forces charitable trust event a few years back. I think it was, Yeah. I want to say 2017 in LA and uh, at uh, yeah. the, uh, that shooting club out there just North of LA kind of off the, off the, yeah, yeah. that place was awesome. Oh. Tree Gun Club. Yeah, Oak Tree Gun yeah. Club. I put it in my first novel after after being there. And uh, oh, really? Yeah, and I saw they put it in that movie. The uh, what was it called uh, uh, about the the dog, the uh, the service dog. Dog. Uh, yes, yeah, just called dog. <laughs> I think it's called dog. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's in there. I saw it in the preview for that uh, for that movie. But that's a that's a cool spot, and what an unlikely place for it to be. I don't think you could. Uh, yeah just carve that place out of the, out of the mountainside today. If you decided you wanted to build that thing. So it's exactly. uh, probably just cause it's, it's legacy. Um, but man, what was the path to get you here to, uh, to be in this seat, to flying around for your movie that you're starring in that you directed and that you wrote like that's, <laughs> that's pretty serious. Um, with SF background and, uh, NFL and a trip to Sedan thrown in there. I think it was even before, uh, the, yeah, the right. star. but, yeah. but, um, what was that path? What was that path into, into SF and where was, where did you go to the, to Sudan? That was not military, right? Yeah, no, that was before I joined the army. Actually. 
Uh, I went out there, you know, sort of in the midst of the genocide. I went to Darfur in 2004. And, you know, I, I was in my early 20s, kind of just drifting in a lot of ways, uh, trying to figure out who I was and if I had a purpose, what, what that would be and, and, you know, what's my place in the world and not really having a lot of passion, but not really any direction or, or, or path towards execution of that. And I, I ended up, I read this Time Magazine article actually uh, called, it was titled The Tragedy in Sudan. And it talked about what was going on there. And, you know, I was reading about these refugee camps that were just you know, filling up with people and they were understaffed. And so I was like, well, you know what, I, I would, I'll go over there and, and volunteer. Uh, so I called all these NGOs like Doctors Without Borders, Catholic Relief Services, Child Fund. And all of them were, you know, they're like, well, you, you know, you don't have a college degree. Well, we don't, you don't really have any special skills. Like, what would you, what would you do? And I'm like, I'll do whatever. I work construction. Like, you know, I've worked on a fishing boat. Uh, there's gotta be some manual labor jobs out there necessary. And they're like, well, yes, but it's just, it's not that simple. You know, there's like a six month process vetting, which I understand, you know, I mean, red tape around situations like that. It, it is a war zone. Like I get it now after going to, <laughs> going to one, yeah. uh, that it's just not that simple. But at the time I just was like, I don't understand the complication here. I just, I'll fly myself over there. I just want to help. So I did, I went to the AAA in Burbank, um, and bought a plane ticket back when we did that before we used the internet, the interwebs for everything uh -huh. and, uh, got a visa and flew over, flew over there just on my own. Didn't know anybody, no contacts, kind of figured it out when I got there. Um, and then volunteered for like 60 days. Uh, and it was amazing. I mean, I honestly changed me in a lot of ways, like the, the gratitude from everybody, the generosity from these people that had absolutely nothing. Um, you know, you hear so many stories, especially from people that tell our stories that don't really know about, oh, you know, they all hate us over there. Everybody's, you know, this and that, whether, whether that's Iraq, Afghanistan, or Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. There's just, there is that, that feeling sometimes, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, some, some people aren't thrilled that we're, that we're there, <laughs> of course. Uh, but there's, I think there's a large contingency of people that still look up to, to America and, you know, that, that flags a symbol of hope and uh, you know, sort of opportunity for a lot of people. And there's a reason there's a lot of people that want to come here, you know? And, uh, and so to spend that time there, the people that, some people that felt that way and they just wanted to hear about America, I sort of gained, my patriotism over there. Not that I was ungrateful for what we had, but just a different perspective and, and really kind of opened my, my eyes and my mind to, uh, to, to just a, a different way of, of, of serving and an opportunity to, to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. And you know, obviously it doesn't always have to be behind the, behind the rear side post. So it could be other ways. Um, but it, it did lead me to the military at that time. I mean, it was 2004, you know, the surge, um, and now we've got troops in Iraq, Afghanistan, the special forces opened this, uh, 18 x-ray program up that, that provided the opportunity to come in off the street and you know, go to special forces selection after basic training in airborne schools. And, uh, and so I took that. And so that, that's sort of what led me to the military, really that trip no to Sudan and Darfur that, that, that kind of just pushed me in that direction. No way. Were you thinking about it before? Were you toying with the idea before? Or uh, was it just like you over there? Did you talk to somebody about it? Or what did, what, uh, was it the movies? Was it uh, like the, what, 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 uh, what, why were you like you SF rather you know than anything else? Well, so at 
my senior year in high school, I did have a, a, a recruiter come to the house. You know, I went over, I was, I was checking that I was interested in it. So I was actually, uh, at the time interested in, in the, uh, airborne ranger contact. And this is before, this is before nine 11, yeah. you know what I mean? So time of peace this is in 99. And, uh, uh, so, and, you know, I considered it not very seriously. And it just was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and you know, I'm glad I didn't join at the time because it wasn't, wasn't the right time for me. Yeah. Um, but what, what, uh, what, what the moment, the thing that really hit me over there, that sort of the, I don't know what you want to call it, the, the firing pin, <laughs> yeah. I guess that, uh, uh, made me think you know what like this is not only a, an option but this just sounds right i got malaria my last week in country when i was in sudan wow. and his family put me up and took care of me didn't ask for anything just as everybody else did there that's just what they do and they were like nursing me back to health um and i'm like quarantined in this room like they put me up on a cot which was a big deal because i mean i've been sleeping on the ground as many people do out there for a couple of months and you know they were trying to trying to take care of me and i'm like sweating bullets and freezing cold at the same time just not feeling good uh. and they put this little radio in there next to the bed and it had a bob marley tape in it so i listened to bob marley for hours <laughs> on both sides of this tape and I, I mean i love bob marley but anything gets old when you're listening to it on repeat so i started flipping through the stations just trying to find anything else and the only station that came through was the BBC and uh, it like the, the second battle of Fallujah was literally going on at that time. So I was getting like the play by play of that and hearing about, I think the Marines were the main effort in that, in that battle, but just hearing about, you know, those brave men and women that were over there, you know, leaving the States you know, younger than most of them younger than me at the time. Uh, and just willing to you know, sacrifice everything for, uh, for these people that they don't know. And, and just in the name of, um, you know, what we represent and kind of stand for as a country and, and strive towards um, and also just trying to help you know those that, that don't have uh, not only a, a force behind them but people that you know will stand up and fight for them and I just uh, I was just like inspired kind of in that moment I don't know if it's because I was loopy <laughs> and like out of it but it was everything that was kind of going on from you know in, in my own life but also like the world around me and it just made sense. And so I came home. I didn't know about the 18 X-ray contract then, but I came home knowing I wanted to join the military. So because of that battle and because of what I heard, I went to the Marine Corps recruiting office first. Didn't have a great experience. All good. <laughs> uh, you know, walked, walked across the street to the Army recruiting office. And, really? What happened in the Marine recruiting office? I don't remember specifically. I just remember I just didn't. I don't know. It all just comes down to the recruiter, man. Isn't you know, that like, strange? Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's like, unless you absolutely know a hundred percent for yeah. certain what you want to do. And I had a good idea. I, I, I had read about the 18 X-ray program. So that was an option too. And, but I just was, I remember thinking at the time, like, I can't be a green beret. Like those guys are freaking badass. Like, I don't That's know right. what they're doing. You know, like Rambo, I'm barely, John Jay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's Rambo. It's the 18. I mean, it's John, it's John Wayne. That's right. So exactly. Anyway. So what do they do when you walk into the army one? Do you, uh, do you tell them right away? Hey, I want to be uh, SF or Hey, what's this Ranger thing? Uh -huh. Or like, what did you, what did, how did you, 
what was that all about when you sat down with the army guys and were they like, yep, absolutely. Here's the program. Here's how you do it. Uh, or were they like, Hey, yeah, okay. You can, you can try, but you're probably not going to make it, you know, boot. <laughs> they did. Yeah. They, they didn't say that. I mean, they were positive, but they also were trying to, of course, like sell me on something else. I don't remember what it was, mm -hmm. but they probably, whatever they needed. Yeah. Whatever ahead. they needed on their little, yeah. yeah. They had a few slots they had to fill and something, uh -huh. so they were trying to usher me that And we got a job for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, but I, stuck, I, I hung in there and stuck, stuck, with what I, uh, stuck with what I wanted to do. And, and you know, they, they ended up honoring their contract. And, and they, I mean, they didn't tell me if it doesn't work out because they were honest about the attrition rate. And yeah. You know, it's most people that sign up for this aren't going to make it through, so you're going to be needs of the army at that time. Most likely they'll send you to, if you've gone through airborne school, you'll probably go to an airborne infantry unit, like mm -hmm. second or hundred first. And, and that sounded cool to me too. Yeah, and I was like, totally. those, are, those are, those are, those are badass units. I would, you know, that would be awesome. So, um, it just sort of made sense. And I kind of went into it with the mindset of, well, I'm like, I, I'm not going to quit because, um, I've already like, you know, my family knows I'm going to do this and like, I don't want to, if I don't make it, I don't make it. Yeah. I've been cut from sports teams before, you know, in high school. It happens. Um, but I'm not going to quit. A, for that, B, because of the foreign internal defense side of the Special Forces mission, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there is like a bit of humanitarian work and that effort. And I just, after my time in Darfur, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted that to be a piece of it as yeah. possible. I mean, uh, it depends on your deployment, depends on where you're going, whether you're doing any of that or more or most of that, you know, because mm -hmm. I've had different deployments where that is a lot more you're doing. And other times it's like the op tempo is so high, like that's not what you're doing at all. And yeah. uh, just sort of depends. But just the opportunity to do that. I thought that that day of press bear motto that special forces has, yeah. which stands for the oppressed. Press, that really, yeah, it really inspired me and sort of motivated me to, yeah. To, to lean in that direction. Right, right. Remember when I was, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a SEAL, but I was always studying everything I could about the military, about terrorism, insurgencies, counterinsurgencies, that sort of thing. And I remember, I probably still have this in a box somewhere, but uh, let's say, I don't know, 96, something like that. I made the list. Like I knew I wanted to be a SEAL, but I was still, I wrote down like some other options, like Marine, I wrote at the time, right. Recon, Army. I was like, well, okay, Army, uh, uh, Ranger, uh, SF, Ranger, airborne infantry. I'm like, okay, that's good. You know, still ground combat ish, like, you know, focus. Right, right, and then I wrote right. seal. And then I was like, Ooh, ships, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the backup, <laughs> like if you don't make it to, you know, if you don't figure out a way to get now to now to Raiders or whatever, you know, in the Marine, you're still a Marine. Uh, you know, you right, can still right. do a bunch of cool things. Um, same thing, army, like you don't make SF, you know, you don't make it through ranger school, you know, you don't make it, uh, whatever you, there's still a lot of really cool things you can do. Uh, if that's where you're, uh -huh. if that's what you want to want to do, if you want to be in ground combat type of scenarios and right, right. then seal one, if you don't make that, like you're going to be chipping paint on a ship for four years. You're peeling potatoes. Yeah, like that's it. Up, you're going to you be know? doing it. Like exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, so I did write that out and I'm sure I still have it somewhere, but, uh, obviously that, uh, I went to the Navy, obviously gave it a, gave it a yeah. shot, but now, uh, that is a roll of the dice that I haven't thought about. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of seals going in. Like that is the, that's like sort of the mindset. Yeah. I mean, there's a few other options, right? Like some of the SWIC teams or 
So it used to be, I think it used to be kind of like, if you didn't make it through buds, like that might've been an option, but now, but then the the perception was that you were a a buds quitter or you couldn't make it or something like that for all of that, for all of SWIC. So now they've made it really professionalized it. Their training program is hard. Like they have a, I forget if it's a hell week or whatever. Anyway, it's, it's difficult. And people come in now just for that program. And it's actually, it's amazing what those guys learn and all the, all the uh, licenses they get for ships and whatever of all different types and it, all the licenses, I guess. Um, it's really cool, um, but it's totally different track. So now it's not really, if you don't make it through buds, you go there. Uh, it's, I think they try to not take people like that actually. I, th- I think I, I kind of, what do you yeah. mean? What do you mean? Not to people like that. Like, like if you make they, it through buds, cause they don't want that perception of, Hey, all we get over here are people that couldn't make it through buds. Um, so now they take people that are coming in just for that program, just for those skill sets. Uh, and, and once again, power of popular culture, that movie, uh, what act of valor, when those, ri- those boats come in, those, uh, riverine boats come in and they're letting go with the mini guns and it's just like, and the guys are swimming out in that swamp right, right. like that. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that, yeah. People want to do that. People see that. And they're that like, Oh, a- awesome. And then they're like, where did these guys come from? And do a little uh, research into Vietnam. And there's some sweet pictures out there with these PBRs in Vietnam with the twin fifties and the, what Mark 18 hand crank 40 Mike Mike and a bunch of other stuff right, out there. Right. Guys, there's one amazing picture of this guy, black and white. And this guy's shooting a, like an arrow with a torch on the end to burn some sort of a VC Friggin' something on the on the side of the river, but uh, but anyway, point being is that uh, the, they're recruiting, I think, just more for that program now specifically. So people are coming in for it, which is pretty cool, I think. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Speaking of yeah, speaking of movies, that is the Active Valor. What an incredible recruiting tool. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> you know, what I mean? not bad. Like there's there's always some, you know some some cool high speed commercials out there for the different branches, the different you know, units in those branches, whatever that is. But like. That one, that one, that one maybe takes a cake. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, that was, uh, had a lot of support from the military, unlike the terminal list, which, uh, you were in by the way, playing the, uh, HRT FBI hostage rescue team, uh, leader, which was awesome. So cool. that uh, that you would take the time to be involved. Awesome. So thank you what for you doing that. About, bro? That was an honor, man. Uh, and really I'd cool. earned that spot. I'd earned that job. I was scratching and clawing for that nice. man like I, I you know i wanted to be a part of the project dude it's incredible too cool i just love i just love being a part of not only like authentic stuff that is like authentically from us i mean yeah you know like because obviously like that's that's uh I mean, that is a story that you created a world that you created based on a lot of you know experiences and your your personal uh uh you know time there but that's always like so much more i don't know it's just hard to top that whether it's something you're just reading or something you're seeing on screen like when you know what's behind it who's behind it you know that there is uh you know whether it was their idea generally or like have a big part of putting their touches on it because there's a lot of stuff that gets cranked out in the hollywood world that you know they'll get our eyes on it and we'll be a tech advisor on it and blah 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 because they have to you know or they're going to be completely lost in sauce but there's an other ones that you just it just it's just different like the amount of the amount of vets the amount of special operations uh, community vets specifically that were on set every day on terminal list was like insane i hadn't seen that at that level at all yeah uh, and a lot of that's testament to you testament to, to chris like fighting for that yeah. making it happen and, and obviously jared shaw and mm-hmm. like you know amazing 
Yeah, I was writing an article this week, and uh, I was trying to remember all the veterans that were involved in front of and behind the camera, and I was writing everybody out I could remember, and I was going through the no IMDb page. Okay. Like, no, I couldn't even remember everybody. And I sent it to Jared and Dave DiGiulio, the showrunner. I'm like, hey, who else? Was there anybody else? And uh, trying to make sure I got everybody's name into this thing, and I was counting it up. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of a lot Dude, of people. I mean, in front of and be, and behind the camera. I'm sure I forgot a couple just because there were there were so many. But tried to tried to get yeah. everybody in this article. Um, but uh, but yeah, active Valor military. Obviously, they're moving carrier battle groups around. They're they're showing SDVs, submarines, right. like all this stuff. Uh, they were not that thrilled to help out with the terminal list. Um, and every I think oh, every branch has really? a uh, Hollywood uh, liaison office for their public affairs. I think everybody has one. There's been a close relationship with Hollywood um, for over a century. Um, actually it dates back till the, to the, the early, early days. Uh, and, and cause that's once cool. again, there's power in, in popular culture and that's a, that's a recruiting right. tool, but, uh, yeah, they, they weren't that thrilled to help out with them. I mean, I mean, I do blow an admiral up in his office and they, they weren't uh, too excited to, to have this, uh, show about it's, corruption. It's fiction, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They weren't too happy about it, I guess. Or, you know, some were, some were. And uh, I guess in those initial conversations, we're going to use, I think, Camp Pendleton and a bunch of assets and um, would have been really cool. And then I think some other people higher up got word and were like, nope, shut that down. Which I, I like mean, better because then you're not tied. You're not tied to this thing. No, you have. They're not trying to exactly. change your words. Exactly. Your yeah. But at the same time, like, We've got to get past that as a society, not just the, the you know, from the, from the military aspect, because at the end of the day, like, especially the way we can share things today, um, it, everybody's going to get, if, if stuff's wrong, it's going to get exposed. Like, it's yeah. just going to happen, you know? And so transparency and like, uh, I think leaning into, you know, authenticity and understanding in this situation, like, um, I mean, this isn't the reality, but like, you know, could go that way or whatever. There's, there's just a way to, I think there's a way to balance that. And I, and I think it's a mistake when big, big organizations, big corporations, um, uh, kind of just try to ignore it because a lot of people are going to still see it and, and, and perhaps say like, you know, why weren't you a part of this? Yeah. I, I, it, yeah, no, it's a power of popular culture. Well, it wasn't exactly a good example, honestly, is MVP, which, which also, uh, by the way, I I don't know if uh, I, I told you this yet, but like every veteran you saw on screen was played by an actual vet. Oh, and I didn't know that. Every single one. And then most, the, even Dan Loria, the wonder year, the dad. Yeah. Wonder year, like, I was going to ask you about that. Because I thought vet. in my head, I somehow, I've read that somewhere in my memory banks and I saw him walk on screen. I'm like, no way. It's the dad from the wonder years. And then yeah. in my head, it immediately jumped to, I think he's a veteran. And I was going to, yeah. yeah he is. Yeah. Yeah. He was a Vietnam vet. Oh, okay. Um, he also played Vince Lombardi on Broadway for years, which is really cool. Amazing. But, and he looks uh, almost the same as he did in the Wonder Years, by the way. Dude, a little more gray, great. but yeah. he looks, he looks yeah. Yeah. Like you'd recognize yeah. him anywhere. It's not like, I know that yeah. guy from somewhere. It was immediately like, boom, Wonder Years, which is yeah. 30 yeah. years old now, whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That is really cool. That is, that is so amazing. Cool. So like that. And then all the department heads aside from my DP, every other department head and my DP is the one who pointed this out. They were all vets as well, which is, which is super cool. So we had so many behind the camera. I mean, this project, you know, from a budgetary standpoint, a drop in the bucket for a terminal list. It's which, <laughs> what we, what you see for five minutes on screen in terminal list is this movie, right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but still like, so, and that's the only way you we got to make, make is, I mean, yeah, you got it. You got to make, you got that, 
But what I was going to say was like the support we actually got from the NFL, mm-hmm. because it's not exactly saying, you know, every athlete that leaves the NFL just has this perfect life. It talks about the struggles. It talks about things that they're not, not necessarily happy with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like some of these guys right. feel um, a bit tossed to the wayside yeah. and sort of ignored and dejected and they still embraced it. So it's like, I thought that was smart and, and cool. cool. And they're, they're helping from a promotional side. There's nothing in it for them that they don't, you know, they are just, they just want to help. Cause they, I think it's a good message for their former players and for that community. And, and they love MVP as an organization, the charity itself. Right. But I was just, I was kind of surprised at first. I was like, they're probably going to hesitate here. Yeah. And they really didn't. And they were like, here's the shield. You can use it. Team logos, use it. Uh, you can even film it. You know, we filmed that stuff at NFL network, like the yeah. fantasy football, you know, uh-huh. whatever. Uh, and they just were, they just opened their doors and, and wow, it was, it was awesome. That's really cool. So supportive. Yeah. yeah. Was it, uh, uh, was it Mo, Mo McCray? Is that who, uh, yeah. whoa, he is yeah. fantastic. Oh my so gosh. Good. And in that scene with Tom Arnold, he's doing the fantasy football. I think every, uh, I can say, uh, veteran who went down range can relate to just that. He doesn't even say much. He's just there. And this face where he's looking at Tom Arnold and looking at the situation he's in, I think a lot, yeah. I shouldn't say every, a lot of returning veterans have that same kind of, uh, right. emotion and feeling towards what they go into as they transition out of the military. And it was just right there. And it's obviously football to now something new in the private sector, um, yeah. something different. Um, and he's trying to figure out what that is, but he that emotion in his face when he's there with Tom Arnold, he's just like, what the, it, it was, I think a lot yeah. of people can relate to that and not just people who have been in professional sports and not just veterans, anyone going through a transition in life, whether that's changing a job, whether that's a divorce or a death of a loved one, whatever it might be. Uh, I think people, they go to that new job and it's just not right. And they know it in their heart and their right, soul right, right away. And Mo McRae, who plays Will in this thing, he's just, I mean, he, he, he portrays that so well. That was, that was a really cool he's, scene. He's incredible, man. This guy, he's, he's got some stories too. He, he's, He's from South LA, um, you know, grew up there, played sports, athlete, um, but then fell in love with the, with acting and, and you know, filmmaking and stuff like that. And he, the, some of the stories he was telling me about like almost getting that, that big role and like, uh, the, the, you know, the, I, I won't get into details on it cause it's more his story to tell, but like some of these films and like these characters, I was like, oh my God, like it would have changed you know, everything trajectory was, and he still had an incredible career. He's like killing it. He's, he's, he's very talented. He does yeah. well, but at the same time, you know, it's like with a lot of these things, it's really one, one project, one role. Yeah. It can and, change you know, it. One, a movie. It can completely change, you know, to you're, you're, you're no longer auditioning. You're right. feeling, you know, you're just doing nothing but field field offers left and right. And like, I think he's like right there. And I, yeah. I, I honestly, my biggest hope for him with this project is like, that that sort of launches, you know, launches that for him. So he absolutely deserves it. He's earned it. And he's, he's amazing, man. I, I was recommended him by the director, a writer, director of Jenna Peeves, uh, who's a good friend of mine, nice. Christian Budigas. So that was one of my first roles, you know, uh, you know, just very, very, uh, it was a decent, decent role. Actually, I don't want to say very small, but it was, uh, um, it was cool. And Mo was on, Mo was in that movie. And I met him at the premiere briefly. And, um, and I just was called, I hit Christian up when I was getting ready to cast this thing. We're like a month out from shooting. And, um, originally we'd gone out to some of these people I'm talking about, you know, to play Mo. And then when the, when 
COVID just continued on and our budget shrank yeah. exponentially. Uh, I was like, well, I just want to, I, I want to shoot this. I have an opportunity right now that that veterans uh, homeless shelter, the barracks there that we filmed in, uh, you know, that's on location, real place. Wow. It was closing down and turning into something else. And they had wow. allowed us to film there. So I was like, we have to do this now. Cause I don't want to recreate, I don't want to try to recreate that. Right. It's just too hard. It's, it's too authentic the way that it is. Yeah. And he was like, I called him up and I was like, Christian, like, what do you suggest? And immediately he was like, Mama Craig. Nice. And I was like, really? He's like, yes. He's like, that yeah. dude is Perfect. incredible. He's yeah. like, trust me. And I hit Mo up. He was like skeptical because he didn't know me, didn't yeah. know whatever. He's like, well, let me just read the script. And he, he read it and then he read it again. And then he hit me up. And he's like, I read it twice. I want to do this. Let's do it. He's like, nice. I think this is, you know, how he's like, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was a little doubtful because you don't have a ton of experience, especially behind the camera like that. And, but I love the story. I love the organization, you know, emerging vets and players and um, let's go. And, yeah. and it's just like, just happened. And thank God, man, because he was, he was a freaking yeah. gift every day. Cause even when he wasn't on camera, he was behind it coaching me. Nice. You know, the dude was great. Man, yeah, he's 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 awesome. I hope he, his career gets that thing that it, and it takes off like that. Yeah, he he's he fantastic. But uh, boot camp, then airborne school, three weeks of uh, I guess two days of training. Uh, you know, just crammed into three weeks, and then uh, you go off to uh, uh, to Q course. Is that how that goes? Yeah, went to. Uh... So since I was an 18 x-ray, they have, it was called soft C back then, the special operations preparatory course. So that's uh, four weeks long. Um, you're living out at the old world war two barracks uh, on Fort Bragg, uh, which are termite infested and infested with several things. Yeah. You know, um, hilarious. I, I dude, I, I, uh, I remember st staying there and then, you know, you'd explore around uh, when there's nothing to do. There's all these other like, it feels so haunted there, you know, it's just really? crazy. It's like on the edge of the brag. Um, and just going through these old empty barracks and just feeling the history of like, you know, these dudes that were back there getting ready to go wow. to, you know, Normandy or whatever that is. Yeah. And uh, just, just really, really interesting. Um, and I remember going into one and I was like, this one, I don't know if this one's been living. It's kind of clean. And I went back there like later once I moved off base and it was still untouched. And so, my buddy and I pulled up in a pickup truck, jacked a couple of mattresses. So, you know, we had something for us to sleep in. We, yeah. <laughs> at our house, we didn't, have to, we didn't have to buy a new mattress. We went back, but um, no, but that place was, that place was awesome. It was, uh, this is some of the, uh, yeah, just the, the memories of brotherhood, the friendship you sort of developed through pre-selection and then selection itself um, is, yeah, that's, those are some of the guys I still keep in touch with, man. And, um, some of those guys I even went to basic training with, they had that yeah. same 18 X-ray contract yeah. guy I did. It's really, it's really interesting to think when people ask me like, so some of your closest friends, guys, you, you know, stay up with, that you serve with like, when did you meet them? Did you meet them, you know, overseas? Did you meet them when you got to special forces, your ODA? And some of them, yes. But like, honestly, a lot of the ones I'm closest with like basic training no way. because we had that contract and we went through the yeah. one of those of us that made it through, you know, I, I, I don't know the number, the exact numbers. It wasn't high. I think it was probably 10% of us that actually yeah. earned the grand green beret at the end, but we just stayed tight. You know, a lot of those guys, cause it's from the beginning of basic to yeah. graduation. 
two, two years. Yeah. Know, a lot of things can happen in two years. Yeah. No kidding. Exactly. A lot of things did. <laughs> yeah. I bet. What was your MOS? What did you, what did you go in with or for? Or did I was you, an 18 you know? extra or sorry, 18 echo. Yeah. So when I signed up, when you signed up as an extra, you don't know you get, as you get closer, you get your selection and you start the Q course. Then you, you know, you put in your, your wish list and you sort of find out before you find out before you go to, um, obviously you you do small unit tactics, just like Vietnam era, you know, uh, infantry, infantry school type stuff. And then a ranger school, I should say more like that. And then you go to, you, you start doing a, uh, back then at least it was phase three, which is, uh, you know, starting up your MOS. I can't remember what they called it, but, um, so I put Bravo, which is weapons and Charlie, which is engineer demolitions. I think everybody puts those two. Yeah, that's the problem. That is exactly the problem. Well, the dudes that know they're smart, squared away, can handle it. Yeah. We'll put Delta because the medics are, they are the most yeah. badass. I mean, the Deltas are, they're awesome. I put Delta last because I was like, I don't want someone's life in my hands like that. Yeah. Like, like that's. Uh, it's a lot more training just, too, isn't it? Isn't it a lot longer? A lot more training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, I mean, honestly, I was like, that's one, that's one thing about the battlefield that, it, you know, there's levels of fear with everything, but more more fear for me no like if i you know i have to treat this person and it's it's in my hands like i'm i'm an idiot you know what i mean like i'm an idiot you can train me up all you want but i just i just have that fear and, and lack of um you know i guess confidence or belief like you know that that that's one piece of that of the training and everything that i did that i was always so worried about you know? yeah and I focused on it. when we did like the live tissue training with the goat, with the goats. We all do did some of that, not just guys that went through Delta training. Um, you know, I I got a lot more, gained a lot more confidence oh, yeah. there, and like helped. But still, it was always just one of these things. Like, man, uh, you know, I, I don't care if I get banged up. Like, I'd rather have somebody working on me than you know the the reverse. Yeah. And, so I put that last, and I didn't get that thankfully, but I, I did pretty well in my ASVAB and some other. You know, yeah. test we did. So they gave me Echo, um, which is, you know, Special Forces uh, com- Communications Sergeant. So yeah, yeah. Satellite communications, whatnot. And at the end of the day, I'm glad that um, I did that. I'm glad that I got that because the ODA I ended up going to spending the most time with, the senior Echo was so freaking squared away that, like, all I had to do was make sure, you know, the crypto was updated. Yeah. Um, you know, and the embitters were, were, were right. Set right and programmed and all, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and you coach up the rest of the guys in the team, what level you can, but just he was handling all the nerd stuff that I yeah. just knew very little about. And uh, and then beyond that, um, I so I, I, you know, I became like an honorary Bravo Charlie. There you so go. I was, I, I ended up helping that team and you yeah. know, uh, making charges or whatever we got to do. And uh, but yeah, I was an echo. Nice, nice, nice. And uh, what language did you get? Did you guys uh, in, in the x-ray program, is it still language part of it? Yeah, I got Korean. Korean? Yeah, Korean. Okay. I went to, yeah, I went to Okinawa first. That was my first stop uh, with SF. Um, so I went to 1st Battalion, 1st Special Forces Group. Um, now, I wasn't there super long. I ended up moving to 10th Group after that. Um, and that's when I, de- I was deployed with 10th Group. But, um, but yeah, I got Korean. I didn't pick it, uh, but you know, I. So you got Korean and went to tenth group. Interesting. 
Because when, uh, when you take Green three, first oh, first group. Okay, first yeah. group. okay, that makes more sense. Group. Yeah, I went, okay. to, I went to Okinawa first, and then I'll be honest, we can talk about it here, uh, and it's all good. I went to uh, very early on. I'd only been there like three months, and I found out I was about to go on this year-long rotation to the Philippines. Wasn't super psyched about that. I wanted to go to Iraq, I wanted to go to Afghanistan, I wanted to go to war. I mean, that's why we, that's why I signed up. Uh, why a lot of us did, and you know, looking back, selfish of me to try to fight for that, but like, that's what I wanted to do. And um, the uh, the uh, the CAG selection uh, cadre came and visited one one, and I went to the presentation, even though I was, you know. <laughs> Only been in the army a, a, a little over two years, um, but I was 24, 25 years old, so I was a little bit older. Uh, and I went to it. I thought it was awesome. I had just won this like this first this battalion like uh, PT challenge that they had there at first group, um, where we like you know we had we had kit full kit on and we like you know climb up the ropes and do some other stuff. Then you'd like run around you know the entire base. And we, the, the, uh, Tory Station there. It's like the smallest army base I think in the world, uh, but it's still pretty good sized. One of the three fences is the ocean. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and they had this cool running trip pass. We you know, run around that thing, and I just was like hauling ass. I've, I've won that thing, so kind of got, um, you know, some some respect from yeah. from the folks in the battalion and whatnot. And uh, so I went to this presentation. I already had my uh, uh, what is it? SF eighty six. I'm trying to think of the paperwork to get your yeah uh, TS I think so, yeah. clearance. I think yeah, that's what it is. I think that's right. Filled all that stuff out. That was in process. And I go to this deal and talk to one of the dudes afterwards. There wasn't a ton of people that went to the presentation. And he was like, Look, I mean, you're super green. Um, you should you should apply. Like, why not? But the reality is like army time wise, I don't think anybody is young as you as as gone people would have been younger in age but you know they joined yeah they were in ranger battalion at 18 and they got right. four deployments under their belt already yeah. so yeah maybe they're only 23 but like yeah <laughs> you know so um i just submitted and like a couple weeks before selection like a spot opened up and wow. they hit me up and just said you're going and i remember i went into the battalion <laughs> the battalion sergeant major and the battalion commander both had you know brought me in to like talk before I went, Italian commander was like, "Go get it, son." Italian sergeant major was like, "You better get selected. Wow, if you don't get selected, it's not going to be fun back here. Just let me know." He's wow. like, "Good luck." I mean, it was it was yeah, encouragement, yeah, yeah it was that, encouragement in a way, but he was right. just like, "Don't don't embarrass us, a, right. you know, and just and just don't just just don't let us down." I mean, like, we don't really know you, we don't trust you yet. Right, you know, you're, you're you're young bucks. So, oh man, so I went. And I got, I made it through selection. I got selected. And, uh, you know, I was in retrospect, man, the audacity, I kind of did the same thing with this movie. Like that's just sort of who I am. Did the same thing with football. Like I didn't grow up playing football when I walked down to UT, I'd never played before in my life. And I just cried. It's like, I get these ideas and like, I do have in some ways this belief in myself, not necessarily with, you know, being a field surgeon, right. But, uh, <laughs> other things, uh, other things that like, I could just do this. I, you know, I, I can, I'll find a way. I know I won't quit. I'll figure it out. And, uh, I'm glad I have that, but it also, you know, if you're prepared for it and you're okay with it, it sets you up for some heartbreaks and some failures along yeah. the way, you know, and I'm all good with that. So I made it through, I'm, I'm you know, I won't get into the details of what that looks like. Yeah. It's not really my place to say, but yep. 
it's hard. You know, it's a challenging, it's a challenging course. There's just no question about that. And, uh, I and, made and a lot of unknowns, a lot of unknowns in that one too. Dude, so many unknowns. Yeah. But, <laughs> so but, many unknowns. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but it's, you know, it's, it's funny. I remember somebody giving me a little piece of advice and I won't tell them, I don't say what it was, but they told me this piece of advice. And in that piece of advice was a clue that I didn't realize until I was out there. And I had that clue and I had that knowledge in my head and I get to the place that the, the place, the, uh, the place where the point where, you know, two roads diverge in a wood mm. and I had to make this decision and his voice was in my head. And I'm like, this is what he was talking about. And I still didn't listen to it. <laughs> and I went my way because I'm like, I think I can do it this way. And it ended up being the wrong decision. I survived it luckily. And I think I gained some respect from the cadre for taking the path that I took. Um, you guys can choose your own adventure with that, with what yeah. that means. But, uh, it, it, uh, it was incrementally, uh, not incrementally, uh, exponentially tougher. Uh, but you know, I, I got through that, survived. I think that was part of the reason I got selected, honestly, because of that decision and, and still, you know, sort of fighting through and getting, getting to the end. So I finished it, you know, I, I, uh, I got selected by the skin of my teeth, you know, and I knew, I knew even early on from conversations with, you know, sort of the, the head of that selection board, like you're taking a chance on you and, you know, your odds are not good just so you know, but you know, you, you've done everything that we've asked you to do. And, you know, you just don't, you don't have any experience. And we know that, but you know, we'll see what happens. So, go out, go through, go through OTC. Also very challenging, not grueling like a selection situation from a physical standpoint, but just mental. And it's, it's long days and it's intense training and it's very, very good training. It's the best training you can probably get. Um, and, and, you know, people were getting, uh, you know, they were paring down, uh, our, our group there as we went. Um, and I, I remember just like every day kind of looking around, like, how am I still here? Uh -huh. <laughs> because the guys by the end, by the, by the time I did, uh, my number did get pulled. Uh, and I was told that, you know, I was welcome to come back at a later date, but I needed to deploy and I needed to get that experience on the ground. And they were absolutely right. I hundred percent did. But I just remember like looking around the room, like how, how am I still here? Like these dudes are absolute badasses and, and, uh, it's, I mean, I, I was in um, recent Medal of Honor recipient, you know, people can look that up on their own, you know, but he was in my class and, you know, we're still good buddies. He was, he was an absolute legend. Uh, wow. Other legends, you know, in that class with me that have done incredible things. And uh, it was, it was cool. Greatest training and experience I could possibly get pre-deployment because from there, I went to 10th yeah. group. They, they asked me, I got to choose which group I want to go to. <laughs> so awesome. maybe not go back to that first group guy. <laughs> yeah. No, and I love first group. I got no hate on first group. It was just, right. Uh, yeah. I go yeah, back yeah. to one, one, man. I'm going to the Philippines and I'm probably sitting in the SIG debt for a year. You know what I mean? Like that's probably what's happening as a calm guy. And you have yeah, to look man. at that, uh, so, you know, uh, at that Sergeant major, uh, like every day. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I appreciate those guys. I mean, I appreciate that them supporting me on and going out there. Yeah. Super. So cool. I got to pick which group I said, I said, I want to go to 10th group, you know, and, uh, and they put me on a, they put me on a free fall team, which was really cool. I mean, nice. I wanted to have the opportunity to do that. So I, I got, so I got so lucky, uh, to get that. And 
and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a squared away team. Uh, they were deploying like you know within a month or two. So it was. Oh wow! It ended up working out exactly as it should because my main goal was I wanted to get back over there. I wanted yeah. to feel like what I was doing in Darfur, obviously in a, in a different capacity. Um, you know, you're you're, <laughs> you're you're kicking doors down and, and trying to find the people that are causing the pain that you're experiencing yeah. when you're watching watching what's going on, seeing what's experiencing, you know, helping the people that are struggling and living in this refugee camp. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, where does that come from? Like, that's the type of dudes we're going after. You know. Um, and where do you go first? When's your Where's your first deployment? At? Najaf. Hey, went to Najaf, the Shia Holy City. Oh yeah, yeah. I spent a little time in Najaf there. Yeah, August yeah, of two thousand four. Exactly. Campaign to retake there the city. So, what year were you there? I was there oh oh eight. Okay. So uh, right after um, there was a big, the Marines were in this one. There was a huge, uh, big firefight in the uh, cemetery there. Do you remember? You, I'm sure you remember the cemetery. It's oh yeah. The largest cemetery in the world. Yeah. Actually, we had different sectors incredible. of the city for that campaign, and SF took the took the uh, the cemetery side of the house. Right. Um, right. Crazy. But uh, you're in Najaf. Yeah. Right. One of the. <laughs> Imam Ali Mosque in uh, Old Town Najaf, one of the holiest sites in all of Islam. Um, yeah, that was a the, yeah. the eleven days of uh, of pitched street battles yeah, the there. Shia, was pretty the crazy. Holy City. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. So you're there. That's first yeah. deployment. So you guys have a fob out there, and uh, and you guys just yeah. going out, kicking doors, putting together target packages, working intel networks, all that sort of a thing. Exactly. Yeah, and also doing a lot of <laughs> doing a lot of. Uh, leader engagements uh, okay <laughs> which are very frustrating i mean because it was under governmental um you know or provincial uh control at that point yeah um so we had handed that so we had so our i mean we did all those things but the approval approvals had to go through um you know the, the uh, iraqi government and that's not always the most uh yeah <laughs> safe bet oh, uh man. you know there's uh you know just with the corruption and and um Hard to know who to trust. I mean, all of our, pretty much all of our missions were were, uh, were bilateral at that point too. So we're like with the Iraqi SWAT, which is their, their police force, and um, the Iraqi special forces, who we had kind of stood up and trained. Yeah. We're kind of shoulder to shoulder with those guys, and really, honestly, like a lot of good dudes, yeah. a lot of good dudes that really cared about their country, really wanted to see things change, really wanted to move forward. Okay, and that was that was one of the most heartbreaking things of this was like. You know, it's not just people understand like we work with, you know, a lot of uh, our interpreters and that's a big uh, talking point today, you know, yeah. getting our troops home, the guys who work with us over there. But there's a ton of dudes, you know, that, I mean, those guys in Iraq and Afghanistan, especially Afghanistan, been at war. They were at war for 20 years, you know, yeah. and those and a lot of them were fighting alongside us for the entirety of that. And and then to see what obviously happened there is heartbreaking. But even with same with Iraq, you know, just to know how many guys that I, I kick doors down alongside, you know what I mean? Um, who would take a bullet for me in a heartbeat. And, and, and I feel like I would do the same thing for them. Um, just to know that, that you don't know it at the time, but you know, in retrospect, like you are just fighting such an uphill battle and you know, it's, it's, uh, you're running through sand and yeah. you're playing whack-a-mole and you're doing all these things, but because of the way that, these target packages have to go that you know and, and, and the way that the mission is and 
just the, the, the red tape, the complications, the, you know, the corruption. The, it just it's very hard to make any headway, you know, and feel and feel like you really are making a difference. And then there's, of course, from that, there's people that are like, well, then why go at all? Why, you know, why are we there? Why did we even go? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, because of those people, to me, like, that's why I tell anybody, there's a lot of vets that feel like they wasted their time to be there and they lost friends uh, for nothing. You know what I mean? And I don't believe that. I don't believe any of it was for nothing personally Um, because you drive, man. There's plenty of things in life that we, we give everything we have to do and they don't work out. And it doesn't, that's not a, that's not, that's not for nothing. Like yeah. there's, there's not only like lessons in that, but you're living your life and you're trying to do something you're passionate about and putting it all out there. And to me, that is the most important thing. Like that's what makes me happy. I, I like I just mentioned, you know, I got cut from that, from that unit. You know, I got cut from teams in high school. I got cut from the Seahawks eventually, but I, but I, it doesn't matter because I try just to me, it doesn't matter to me yeah. because I did everything that I could, but if nothing else from from this, uh, you know, from this podcast, or even from the from the from the movie, or from anything that we're doing, um, that despite the the challenges and and you know the, the the guys that didn't make it back, that you feel you know lost their life for nothing or, or whatever, like it's absolutely untrue. I mean, I I uh, I've been cut from from every team you can possibly imagine, you know, and. Uh, I failed at a lot of things, uh, but I tried. I think what's important is that I tried. I put myself out there. I gave everything that I had on the field, whether it was the battlefield or the ball field. Um, and, you know, in life, like sometimes things just don't go your way. Sometimes you lose some things you, you do fail. Um, but you're, you're not a failure if you did everything you could, if you tried. And for those, for those people that we fought alongside too, the Iraqis and Afghans, I'll feel like you let them down because so many of them, like they're grateful that we did everything that we could, that we tried, you know, the, the people that wore boots on the ground and behind the gun and we never quit until the end, you know what I mean? Until we were literally pulled out by the back of our necks and there's nothing else we can do. And if it was up to us, we'd still be there doing that, you know, f- trying to figure it out, trying to, trying to, uh, trying to fight through. Um, and there's a lot of young people that are upset. They don't get that opportunity, you know, that, that, uh, that came in and, so yeah, just don't don't look at don't look at yourself in the mirror or remember the bodies that didn't make it back with any like negativity towards your efforts or or that it was just a waste of time and it was it was it was for nothing because you did everything that you could. No, yeah. uh, there's powers outside of our control uh, that that we have nothing. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing yeah. more that we can do. Yeah. So all you can do now is live on in their honor continue to you know attack life and, and i think find new missions find new challenges find new ways to fight for those that can't fight for themselves or or whatever you're passionate about like you can still do that you're still that person um and and people are still grateful for your sacrifice willingness to to go over there and and, and risk it all Man, i like what you said there if uh you fail you're not a failure I like the way you put that um, how long was that pumped in a job? Is it, uh, is it a six month deal for you guys? That one was nine Whoa. to 10 months. Actually, that was a long, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. I mean, but not yeah. as long as some, I mean, some guys, when we were there in 2004, Dude, that, they'd already been there a, a year or 14 months. They get to the airport. People are already home, like at, you know, home station flown early to prep for bringing everybody back. And then they get extended back another four months. 
brutal. It's crazy. Brutal. And I think yeah. some of the people that went home had to fly back. And I think they, a couple of those guys didn't make it like, uh, oh my yeah, gosh. just, uh, that was, oh, I put it in the first book. I put it in the first book somewhere in there. I wove it in. Um, right. Cause it was just, I remember being there and hearing about that and was like, Oh man. But, uh, so you come home after 10 months and then you guys do a, uh, like a year long workup or what's the, what's the time between deployments? Yeah, it sort of depends. So, I mean, if it is, if it is, there was like a six month, six off, six on, six off schedule, you know, for a bit and then different, you know, I know guys that were in the SIF, it was only uh, three months, I think, at least for a while. So they were like three on six off, um, for that one. So when I got to my team there before that one, they'd, they'd only been home for six months. They were in, uh, I believe they were in Mosul, uh, before, and then they had just come back. I linked up with them and we went over there. And then things changed after that, though, because after we got home, kind of right at the end of our trip, I remember when we were ripping out and they had the new team coming in, there was dramatic changes. In, I mean, there was new administration, um, you know, back there in the States. Uh, and so things were just shifting. And, um, you know, it was going very much going, tra- transitioning into the pure train advice assist role. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure how that, uh, you know, continued as far as the, the off tempo with that team, because from there, um, I went over, did a, uh, did a, uh, oh, what do you call this? Oh my gosh. I went to Israel. Okay. What is that called? What like, those called? Like you doing exchange like a, or something or a, uh, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. F, yeah. Like a, not an FTX, yeah. But yeah. Like a, uh, Exchange. Let's call it an exchange. Yeah, yeah. Or something. Uh, it is called an exchange. Um, with the uh, yeah, it was cool with the Sarah and Sunhanim, which no is way. Uh, really, really special force. That's yeah, awesome. Was, was That's what I always wanted. That's the one really thing cool. I didn't get. I really wanted to do in the military was go over to Israel and do some sort of an exchange program. Right didn't get to never got to do it. Um, but uh, that's amazing. Yeah. That is really cool. You got to do that. It was, it was so cool. So we were there for, we were there for a couple of months and you know, every day we're going up to their, uh, you know, to their, to their ranges. And I mean, dude, just watching their, I remember watching their dogs work. Uh-huh. The, the, Israelis, the, the Israelis service dogs unreal. And I know our, we have incredible, you know, dogs in our units as well but i just hadn't seen it at this at that level, level and yeah. just the, the, the intelligence of them like in this huge uh this huge you know mount site they had, they had built uh-huh. that just had and these, these dogs are like they're just so switched on finding everything like n- never taking the same path twice wow. like crazy stuff i was That's just like cool. this is just next level and they were and they don't have the same you know resources that we had mm-hmm. i mean those guys don't get paid anything you know i mean there's conscription there and all that so they get you know paid very little and like you're seeing where they're sleeping i mean their 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 barracks are tents outside with a cot you know yeah. what i mean and like they're staying there and um i mean they're living in their it's in you know it's on their home soils it's it's, right. it's just so interesting but they're they're so efficient yeah. everything that they do you know the way that they move um, because of that, right? yeah, like, we just don't have any time or money to waste. Like right. we have to do so. Everything, you know, the, their gear—it's just very like this is what's necessary. You know, there's no extra stuff bouncing around, yeah, yeah. hanging off their kit. You know, I love that. That's kind of how I was. I was always like a minimalist. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just really cool. I mean, they were they were awesome. That, that was yeah. an, that was an awesome experience. Yeah, so that was my last. Uh, I did that, and then 
I was up for, for re-enlistment and made the decision to go um, to college at okay. that time do the football. Thing. So I transitioned into the uh, transition into the Texas National Guard, still, um, you know, still with special forces. Uh, the cool thing about that was they knew I was I, I, I went to Texas. I tried out for the team. You just walk on. When do you decide to do this? When you're like, you know what? I've never played football before. Like, do you watch a movie again? Or you're like, like, what, what's the draw to just all of a sudden walk on and see if you can play at that level? I had this I had this regret uh, since high school of not playing, not trying to play football. So when I was really young, my mom didn't want me to play. And then, uh, as I got a little bit older, I was so into baseball, basketball. Um, you know, I remember being like 13 and I, I could have played if I wanted to. Uh, but I just was like, well, I've never, I, these guys have been playing since they were eight. Yeah. I'm not, what, what if I can figure it out? Like <laughs> I wasn't like a great athlete as a, as a kid. I was, I was a decent athlete, but just worked really hard. So I was just trying to, you know, hang in there on the baseball and basketball teams. And like, my goal was, you know, I want to make, I want to make varsity. And mm-hmm. if I start doing this and maybe that'll, I won't be able to. So I just didn't play. And it like stuck with me. It just bothered me because it's my favorite sport. It's just this weird childhood regret you know at 29 now 29 um, and i just decided you know what i'm ready to go to school finally i do want to go to college and i'm going to try out for the football team and i ended up you know going to <laughs> going to ut in austin which is a great school with a kind of a legendary you know college football program um but i just i just was like this is what i'm doing um i, I how do you really even do care. that? Do you just like walk into an office one day? Like, how do you even know what to yeah, do? You just open the door and you're I, like, Hey, I'd like to give this football <laughs> thing a shot. And meanwhile, they've been like recruiting the teams all put together. These guys yeah, are yeah. 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And you just like open the door with no football experience and say, Hey, mind if I give this a shot? Well, I didn't tell them that. Oh. I didn't tell them. That was key. That was one part. <laughs> um, I went to campus like, I went to campus right before that Israel trip, actually. I went to Austin to visit, to see it. Mm. Um, and I met with like the admissions office, you know, because so I was like, what do I need to do to make sure my application squared away and all that. I'd taken some uh, online courses uh, through Central Texas College to, mm. to build some credits up and to transfer in as a sophomore. Mm. You know, like they have those, a lot of colleges have that. If you take okay. a you know, junior college in state there, mm. it's easier to transfer in. And I, you know, I, I banged out a 4.0, like, you know, first one forever. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, to try to get in there. And, and so they were like, yeah, uh, you know, this, look, this looks good. You got to just fill out all this. And I'm like, cool. You know, where's the, where's the football offices, by the way. And so they point me in the direction. I go down there, I find out they're at practice. So I go out, I just walked out to practice and I walked through the open gate there and kind of just was hanging out watching and, you know, there's a couple of people kind of looking over across. I just, you know, corner of the right. And I just walked, I just walked up. Yeah, exactly. I just walked up to one of them, this big dude that looked, he definitely had played football before. Uh, it turns out he's a, the head strength coach. His name was uh, Jeff Madden and Mad Dog. So everybody called him. He has a big chain that just says Mad Dog on it. It's awesome. And uh, very Mr. T vibes. So I go up uh, and talk to Mad Dog and I was like, uh, hey, you know, my name's Nate. Uh, you know, I'm in the military right now, but I'm about to get out and come to school here. And, you know, how do we, how do you try out for the team? And, you know, he kind of was like, he's looking at me. He's like, what'd you do in the military? And I said, well, I was, you know, I was in, I was in the army. And he was just like, what'd you do in the army? 
And he was like, I, I was in uh, special forces. And he was just like, yeah, you know, gave me fist bump. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I was out. Of, I played out at Vanderbilt, and Fort Campbell's out there uh, near Nashville. And he knew all about special forces. He knew a lot about a lot of the military just generally. And um, he, uh, he, he just kind of take a, took a shine to me like right there. And he was like, you know, let me know when you come back out, you know, so we'll, we'll have you, we'll have you try with the team. So came back out in the spring after I got done with the military, I had like 80 days of terminal leave, uh, stacked up. So uh-huh. I got out a little earlier and just in time to start, uh, the spring semester and just went to, you know, when went out there during um, that first week and they had tryouts and tryouts didn't even consist of nothing in pads. It was pure smoke sesh and okay. just like dudes puking left and right, you know, people quitting. Um, really? You mentioned that, you know, eight, 18 to 21, they are young guys. And a lot of them were good high school players because those guys had to have, they had to also send in high school tape and have uh-huh. referrals from their coaches saying like, he, you know, he could play here. Right. Um, but me, I didn't have any high school tape, obviously. And they didn't ask because they knew I was the guy that was in the military. So I just kind of skirted that. Uh, uh, thing, and I was in really good condition because of the because the army, you know, and because of special forces. So like, my endurance was way up. I wasn't gonna. I mean, this was nothing. I mean, we were. It was hard. You know, we were yeah. running suicides and you know doing all kinds of stuff like that. But and it was hot. I mean, it's, it's in the Texas heat, you yeah. know, humid, even in the, even in the winter time. Yeah. Um. But it was like, uh, yeah, it was it was uh. I, I made it purely because of that. They're like, well, he's going to be added value to the locker room. He's got, uh, you know, he's got this, uh, this, this kind of, he's going to have that no quit attitude. We'll be able to put him on scout team and he'll have no problem getting run over and bouncing right back up, you know? So, um, this guy's exactly what we need for that. And so I, I, yeah, I walked on as a safety quickly realized I would probably never make it on the field. Cause it's my lack of speed and, mm. you know, an ability to, to cover a wide receiver and so after that first year i started long snapping and uh, and i had like i said i went in back into the texas national guard and um i sort of worked out this deal where i would be available to deploy for, it was 108 days i had this window i would take five if i took finals as early as i could i would take them a little bit early and then they'd get me back for training the day training camp starts and so for 108 days they, i went to afghanistan and I went over there and like taught myself to line, long snap when I was there, like built the target out of plywood and was just like hiking balls through my legs from eight, 15 yards, you know, the punts and field goals and extra points. Cause that first year, the starter and the backup had graduated. And I was like, well, there's a thankless job. There's an opportunity to like find the field. If I can figure this long snapping thing out, you know, and they'd recruited somebody else to do it that was coming in and all this other stuff. But it's one of those skills, much like shooting the pistol on the flat range, you know, oh. from, from, from the holster all the way up to putting it in the, you know, in the box to, to full presentation. Like there's little pieces to the movement to trigger squeeze, you know, to front side post, like all these little things that you practice one component of, you know, for hours before you ever put a round in the chamber, you know, and learning how to properly do that. I kind of equated that uh, learning to long snap i was wow. watching youtube videos on how to do it like grip and spiral and then i would like obsess over getting all that in my stance getting all that stuff perfect and then eventually like the velocity came and i was able to 
you know, I was spinning spirals back there and kind of getting the hang of it. Came back from that deployment. Um, cause what they would do, so they'd send, send us over in like onesies and twosies and link up with an ODA. Um, so I'd go over there and, you know, I'd augment the, the, the special forces team for a bit. So, um, so I come back and try, you know, I try outs. I, uh, I won the backup long snapping position, not in trial, sorry, during training camp, the backup long snapping position for the season. First game of the year, I mean, there's 101,000 people that come to our home games. Wow. First game of the year that, that, that freshman that they recruited to do it had a couple, you know, uh, had a, kind of a tough game. And so I had an opportunity the next week to come in and I won the job and started for like the next three years uh, before kind of gra- we're graduating. So that, that's how the long snapping thing kind of came about. And that's how I found my way that is <laughs> on the field. That's crazy. Did, uh, when you're over and you deploy again, do you have to go to, uh, augment yeah. multiple times? I, w- I went over, yeah, I went over one more time before my senior year. Um, and what do they have you doing? Uh, Cause you're not doing the workup with that, uh, ODA. You're just coming not doing in the workup. So like best example of my last deployment, dude, I show up. Um, so Admiral McCraven was a UT grad first of all. And he, he was a SOCOM commander when I was in school, but he was soon to become the vice chancellor of the University of Texas system. And so he, I remember him being in our locker room. We just beat Baylor in like a shootout game. And he was all juiced up and he came up and kind of asked me like, Hey, you know, what are you, what are you doing this summer? You know? and I said, well, I, I, I want to go back to Afghanistan. Like, what, you know, what can I do? And he was like, done, make it happen. He's like, like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I'd love to be a part of a, so I've been an ODA out there and kind of have one last dance, you know, mm-hmm. if that's possible. And he was like, I can do this. He's like, I can get you there. I can get you where you need to be. Um, you're going to have to do the rest of the work. You know, you're going to yeah. have to like, honestly, like earn the respect and you know, the, the team's going to have to accept you, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's totally possible. It's on you. He's like, if not, you know, they'll, they'll have, they'll be plenty of work for you to do. Yeah. Up there. Like, this is that camp. This is that camp Moorhead. Okay. Um, out in Afghanistan. So I went over there, I get off the plane, you know, flying commercial, like fly commercial into Kabul, pick me up at the airport in a freaking land cruiser, um, head out to Camp Moorhead, drop me off. Um, and I go up to the chow hall and the ODA is like, they told me that's where they're at. They're at lunch there. I go in there and just like walk in, introduce myself. And I was like, if you need somebody, I'm here to help. I mean, I'm an echoes, you know, I've, I've deployed a couple of times. Um, and they were like, dude, yes. <laughs> like we, we need help. You know, uh-huh. They were, they were super busy. It was kind of the last, uh, sort of the last commando missions for the okay. uh, Afghan commandos out there. Uh-huh. Um, and we were, we were busy I and mean, we were going out pretty much every day uh, at night. Um, there's a lot going on, on on that rotation and, and that team was amazing. I'm still tight with a bunch of those guys. We unfortunately lost, uh, one of them last year, uh, back home, you know, so, to his own hands, which is, which is rough, man. Like hell of a guy, uh, incredible warrior. And also, uh, just a, just a, just a good person, man. Good friend. And, um, I mean, struggling with stuff back home, you know, as we do. And over there, you know, on that, rotation we just the only person we lost the uh the iraqi captain excuse me the afghan captain uh leading one of the special forces team we were fighting alongside um 
Uh, but anyway, like, yeah, that team, that team has become some of the closest I've been with any of the, you know, the guys I worked with. And I was only there for three months, three and a half months with him, wow. you know, met him that day and, and you know, haven't seen him since I left, Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, he came back home. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, it was wild. I mean, it was wild. That's and then, crazy. And then to come home, they like fly you commercial back. And I like the next day I'm on the field, like a training camp, you know, like staying in the dorms. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. During training camp, they put us all, they put us all in the dorms before my senior year. So I went from barracks to dorms for like three weeks before once training camp was over, we got to, you know, I I lived off off campus. But it's such a bizarre, like transition and sort of juxtaposition, you know what I mean? But it's like, you're you're like trading literally pads and helmet, like, yeah. body armor and, and, and it's so weird um but i i honestly like i i, I really i love it i yeah. mean i love the, the the tempo of it um a lot of those things translate you know obviously i would never compare the stakes uh of, of what's going on and and obviously you know serving the country and playing the game very different uh but the, the locker room you know that brotherhood yeah. um the, the, the amount of time and energy you have to sacrifice that type of sacrifice yeah. to be elite, you know, to be great is like very similar. Uh, and yeah, I, I miss both of them. I miss the, I miss, I miss football. I mean, I miss, I miss, I miss the point a lot. I really do. Yeah. But, uh, and that was your last I mean, that was one. A, was that your last and, one to, yeah, that was okay. my last one. Right. And then my senior year on the field. And then I played and I got an opportunity to play in the medal of honor bowl. Um, which is a senior all-star game out in Charleston. They don't play it anymore. It was only around for two or three seasons, okay. but Medal of Honor Society hosted it, which was really cool. And they asked me to be a long snapper for one of the teams during wow. that game. So I go out there and there's like all these scouts there uh, from the NFL. And yeah, they're, they're there watching practice every day. Were you already thinking about trying to get in the NFL at some point? Or I've been thinking about it since I was three years old, right. man, but like not really believing that it's possible so you didn't have a plan while you're playing these three years in texas like are you thinking oh i can do this in the nfl at all i uh, no i mean not really believing it like i'm dreaming about it right like oh it's like i was 100 i was 185 pounds you know what i mean and like I say I'm five eleven, but I'm not five ten. You know, <laughs> five I mean? ten and three quarters. Like, yeah. Five ten and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. In cleats and a helmet, I'm five eleven. You know, what I mean? uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I just uh, I just I really I I go out there and snap. I'm not practices. I'm snapping every day. And I had four teams meet with me and and say, look, you're gonna have to put on like forty pounds after the <laughs> but, Medal of Honor game. Yeah, wow. yeah, like during that, like during the practices that week. Okay. Yeah, but you should make it. You should, you should go for it. You should take a run at it. And this is like in, this is like in January. You know what I mean? Um, and the draft is in May, it's okay. May second, and so that's four months start, or whatever. You know, five months. Yeah. Not, yeah. So I started. I played in that game. Um, and, and I got home and I was like, I'm just gonna go for it. I put on 30, maybe 35 pounds Dang. over that time. So I got close to the goal. I mean, I put on a lot of weight. I ate constantly. 7,000 calories a day was the goal. Like it was crazy. I was still training and still working out and still, you know, but yeah. and it wasn't all good weight, but it was necessary. Weight. You see pictures of me in my Seahawks uniform versus the Longhorns. You're just like a different, different. person. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? But, uh, 
Yeah, drafted rolls around. I didn't get drafted. I didn't expect to get drafted, but um, I was hoping to sign as a free agent. And I got calls from the St. Louis Rams and the Seattle Seahawks um, asking if I would sign with their team. And I went with the Seattle Seahawks because a good friend of mine, Brad Keyes, who I served with in 10th group, um, he passed away in 2012. I actually talked to him the night before he died. And uh, he was a guy that encouraged me to go to Texas and kind of go big, you know, if I was going to go play football in school. He was the guy, he was a leader out there, like a born leader for our team. Like this guy married a single mother who had a child with a disability. Um, and he, you know, he, he, he fell in love with her and he fell in love with that kid, you know, before he made this decision. And he was telling, he was, he'd always tell, tell people before that, like, I'm never been married. I'm never going to get married, you know, whatever. And then, it, I mean, he's just that kind of person. And so I had this decision, like St. Louis Rams, who were four and 12 the year before, or Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks who had been to back-to-back Super Bowls. And it was like Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson and, you know, these superstars on the field, Richard Sherman, so many legends. These guys will all be Hall of Famers. I just couldn't turn down that opportunity. I was like, I got to go big. I got to go for that one, even though it's going to be tough. And I go out there and, you know, it was with the team for five months uh, through the off season, through OTAs, training camp. And um, I got to play in one preseason game. And it was an incredible moment. I played the whole second half. I did really well, actually. Um, but the next week were like the, big, the biggest rounds of cuts they kind of go through. And, you know, I got cut. But biggest memory of that game, memories of that game, was warming up on the field before game. We're playing the Broncos. And it's Peyton Manning's last year before he would go on to win the Super Bowl. He's like warming up next to me, throwing footballs. And I'm long snapping. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> wow. Crazy. You know wow. what I mean? And, in that Seahawks stadium, which is like, I mean, those fans are unreal. Like they're so good. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the sun's out, but it's also sprinkling like it should yeah, be in yeah. Seattle. In right. Or actually, no, this is in September or August or September. And uh, so we're getting ready in the locker room to come out. And the equipment manager comes up to me and is like, hey, I know in college you had the opportunity to lead the uh, team out of the tunnel with the American flag before every game. Do you want to do it for this game? And I was like, yes, I would, I would, that would be honored. I would love that. So he gave me, uh, gave me the flag. I led the team out of the tunnel. Um, I get on the sideline. The anthem starts playing. And I just started freaking balling, man. Like thinking of Brad, thinking of um, guys that I served with overseas. They came home that, that just didn't feel they were worth a shit or that they could do something like I was doing, even though I was like, I, I don't belong here. Like I'm not as talented as these people. Um, but I just freaking went for it and I went all in and I applied the same type of just drive and like, I'm not going to quit. If they cut me, they cut me at some point it's going to end. I'm going to get cut or, or I'm going to die or I'm going to, at some point this thing ends, whatever we're doing here, but uh, I'm not going to end it on my own. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to push through. I'm going to find a way. Uh, and, and they say, it's, it's going to be out of my hands. It's going to be like those things we talked about things we don't have control over. Like those are the things that are going to end this, not me. Um, and, and, and I was thinking of people that were still fighting overseas and just like, 
I saw all these things thinking about my, my life and my, from childhood and this person that didn't believe they could play junior high football, you know, Pop Warner, that worried about, and now I'm in the NFL. And I just like, that, that song, you know, just the pride, I just like freaking lost it. And it was really cool because after that, after that happened, a bunch of those guys in the team came up to me and like hugged me. Like they saw the emotion and like these superstars, you know, football legends. And they were just like, you know, I, we appreciate you, proud of you. Like, this is awesome. Enjoy today. Uh, and uh, uh, it was cool, man. It's one of the coolest moments of my life. That is wild. What was the uh, with the difference when you're on field between college and, and uh, being in that Seahawks stadium? Could you tell a difference? The size, guys. The oh. size of the people. <laughs> what about, like, what about uh, fans? What about stadium, sound, well, energy? I mean, is it all pretty much? So, you, so, the, so the Seahawks stadium is actually small. UT, the UT stadium is insanely big. The Longhorn I mean, Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial yeah. Stadium is 101,000 people. It's bigger than any NFL stadium. Yeah. But the noise in the Seahawks stadium, even for that preseason game, was, it was, it was, it was a difference. And that is a, known as like one of the loudest stadiums. It's like, I think the Seahawks and the Chiefs, there's like a few teams that these adjustable levels every year are just record. Okay. Um, and it's just very, yeah, it was very loud. And, and it was amazing, man. Like, they, I loved it. I loved, I loved every second I, I had up there. Um, you know, but the size yeah, of the guy stands out to you, the size of the, yeah. <laughs> of the yeah, people. They're huge. <laughs> and I, and I put on weight, uh-huh. but I was just like, this, I mean, there's, you know, the guys in college are still fast and still pretty big, but like yeah. just pound for pound. <laughs> like dudes in the league are just monsters. I was, I was so overmatched. Man. Were you the smallest guy on the team by, by a long shot? Uh, not by weight, because there's some wide receivers, for instance, that are lighter, but they're lightning fast yeah. and just incredible athletes, you know. Um, but generally, yeah, <laughs> especially yeah. on the line. I mean, I'm I'm playing center when I'm in there snapping. It's like 320 pounders next to me. The, the you know the the nose the nose tackle across from me trying to go block that kick yeah. is 300 pounds. It's just like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get run over with dignity, but I'm <laughs> but I'm gonna. <laughs> But I'm gonna do everything I can to stop you, you know. Dude, so that is wild. That is why. Then where does Hollywood fit into all this? When do you start thinking about yeah, uh, acting, directing, no, writing, all the rest of this? Yeah, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go board this flight in like two minutes. So all right. Yeah. Where does that come in? And uh, and I do, yes. and, it, and I do want to say like, a couple things. You already hit on a couple things, but uh, when you say you loved it, being in Iraq and Afghanistan, when you say that line in this film, I, yeah. I wrote that down. I had a little some notes that I was I was taking as I was watching oh, the, yeah. the movie last night, and you said I loved it. You know, I don't think people really understand that. I know you gotta board your flight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, no. 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 So I'll, I'll hit it right now. So I came home. I knew I wanted to work. I wanted to help tell our stories, man. And I did an internship at film 44 with Peter Berg uh, and his company and learned some of the development side of things. Right. And then through MVP, emerging vets and players, you know, that organization where we bring together combat vets and former pro athletes and help them find purpose and identity when the uniform comes up. Um, the, the way that story, the genesis of that story is, is this movie. Like, that's what happened. Um, instead of, me going down to this veterans homeless shelter, meeting some of these guys and bring them up to the gym. You know, we have it be this, the, the character moment Craig plays. Will Phillips is NFL player. The first year out of the league, you know, he's lost his uniform in his locker room. And then he meets this veteran who's lost his tribe and his mission and purpose and lost a lot of guys to their own hands back home as well as guys overseas. But he does miss, he misses that. And just like Will Phillips misses 
you know, being on the field and getting his head kicked in and like, like it's something crazy. I mean, there, there's something off about us maybe a bit. Um, but we, we missed that, you know, we missed that, that, um, that intensity, you know, the, the grind, um, the, the fear, the, um, we miss all of that. And, and, and that's what this movie's really about. So, you know, to see the movie, go to vetsandplayers.org, click on watch the MVP movie. You can host a screen of your own. It's playing September 14th, uh, which will be tonight. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> at 7.30. And, uh, and 35 markets around the country, every NFL city plus five others, Salt Lake, San Antonio, San Diego, Austin, and Orlando. Go see this movie. Go to vetsandplayers.org and, and help our mission. Awesome. Help us, help us, uh, help us all come home and, um, and find that next that next journey and, and purpose. Man, awesome, awesome. I know you got to board your your flight. Um, and, you, uh, and Stallone, executive producer. Stallone is real quick. How did you get that? What? what uh, how did you become aware of all this? Dude, he, he he had come to MVP. He came to a session and he talked to our veterans there. You know, no I way. I MVP with Jay with, with Jay Glazer. Yep. Jay Glazer, he, he's very connected. I mean, knows as well. So he. Salone had trained at his gym. He came into an MVP session. He met these vets uh, and talked to them about how proud he was to help <laughs> to help them change the story of Rambo so that he lives at the end. So there's hope involved, right? Wow. And because you know he wanted to play this role, and he's obviously he's playing a Green Beret in the story. And um, so I sent, I you know, I finished the script. Braden Aftergood, who's his producing partner, used to be at Film Forty Four with Pete. I was buddies with, and he. Um, sent it to Sly. Sly loved it, and he's like, "Put my name on. I got these guys. Nice. Let's make this thing." Oh, it's awesome. That is awesome. I love hearing that story. Good deal, man. Hey, I'll let you get you on your flight. You got things to do, but uh, thanks for everything. And uh, and uh, yeah, I hopefully we'll meet up again in uh, in person again uh, soon here. We will, brother. All right, I love man. it. Dude. Thanks for everything. You take care, thanks, Jack. Later, brother. You too, brother. Dol. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Navy Federal Credit Union. I've been a member since 1996. That is my first year in the military. And right now, when you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. That's why they created a fully loaded car buying experience. I bought cars and motorcycles using it in the past. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all from one convenient place. They have pre-approval that's good for 90 days, so you know what you can afford while you shop. They also offer great auto loan rates. You can shop for new and used cars with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, SiriusXM, and more. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash car buying. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Check them out. NavyFederal.org. I want to thank my friends at Black Rifle Coffee for sponsoring the Danger Close podcast. I've been a huge fan for the longest time. Drink Black Rifle Coffee every day. And if you keep your eyes peeled, you will notice that perhaps Chris Pratt is wearing a Black Rifle Coffee t-shirt, not unsimilar to this one, in the Amazon series adaptation of The Terminal List. Now you can go to blackriflecoffee.com slash dangerclose 
and use code DANGERCLOSE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Black Raffle Coffee, America's Coffee, keep crushing. Today's gear segment is sponsored by Schnee's. And go to schnees.com, check out all they have going on. They have a ton of great things on their website. Uh, Check them out on Instagram. But today I want to talk about boots because I love everything that they have going on up there, but I probably have 10 different pairs of their boots. But I started with these right here, the Granites. And I love these boots. I got my first elk in these. uh, Muzzleloader Hunt, New Mexico, about a decade ago. These are the exact same boots right here so they have some miles on them they have been to uh alaska after bear wolf uh moose and i just love these boots so if i go into the backcountry and i have some weight on my back and i'm planning on coming out even a little heavier then these are the boots that i take i was wearing these in kamchaka russia on a bear hunt where i went to do some research for savage sun and for those of you who know savage sun that's my third novel in the james reese series and uh you know a lot of it takes place there and then there's a little story that i fictionalized and dropped into alaska in that uh in that story near kind of closer to the beginning but these are the boots that i wore absolutely love these boots right here and love all the people at schnee's and just can't say enough good things about them but they are handcrafted in their Italian boot factory. That's right. You'll find no mass production machinery there. Just a team of world-class boot makers doing their thing. Schnee's only sells boots directly to you, the consumer. This means there is no middleman markup like other boot companies out there. That means that they can put higher emphasis on the materials that go into their boots and you get more boot for the money, higher quality materials and more boot for the money. From the leathers to the tread, every Schnee's boot is made from the absolute finest materials available, backed by Schnee's industry-leading customer service and support. If you have a question or need a solid boot recommendation for your hunt, give them a call. You'll actually get a person on the line who wears the boots and is ready to help. There are a lot of boots out there uh, in their lineup, so definitely give them a call. Let them know what you're going to be doing, and they can make a recommendation for you. When you shop at, shop at schnees.com, that is S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com, make sure you use the promo code JACK21. When you do, you'll get 10% off your pair of Schnee's boots and logo wear. Again, that is S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com, promo code JACK21. These handmade hunting boots usually sell out fast, so grab your pair today. Take care of your feet. Don't compromise. Upgrade to Schnee's today. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. All right, got a few things to go over here today. Caleb Daniels, Commando Bond on Instagram. Man, thank you so much. Um, Caleb is a super fan of Ian Fleming, James Bond. Uh, Really cool account on Instagram. Once again, Commando Bond. And sent me this thoughtful, such a thoughtful gift. All these old singing paperbacks of Ian Fleming's James Bond. Look at that. I mean, these covers are just amazing. I love these old paperback covers. Um, so, Caleb, thank you so much. That was so thoughtful. And not only did he do that, he sent this sticker. This is what, the, uh, what Commando Bond looks like on Instagram right there. And this was very cool, too. This card. Look at that. I love those old movie posters. Um, 
so cool. The artwork's amazing. Uh, some of you will recognize this rifle. Yep. Living Daylights. Oh, yeah. Right there. And of course, yep. And then this. Look at this. I mean, I made a comment about this. And you guys remember in Thunderball, this is uh, Sean Connery uses this um, underwater, uh, these little mini tanks on the side. I mean, super cool. And Caleb had one of these made and sent it to me. So thank you. Amazing. That's just really thoughtful and sincerely appreciated. So Commando Bond, check him out on Instagram. All right. What else is going on here? Black Raffle Coffee Company. And as I open this, badass workbench this thing awesome badass-workbench.com check them out if you need a absolute bomber desk they have a bunch of other cool stuff on there as well so be sure and check them out and here we go veteran owned and operated black raffle coffee company this month black magic oh yeah here we go in their subscription coffee club exclusive coffee club membership here bunch of different ways to prepare and you get a sticker in there and there it is bam black magic thank you guys appreciate it they also have a monthly sticker club here and they did some cool ones for the terminal list show when that came out back uh last month but uh yep get a new set of stickers every month so very cool thank you guys and man this is awesome as well. So Brian, and he's at T-R-I-D-O-C-B on Instagram. But uh, he sent me this. So these keychains are made from the skin of actual aircraft. And this is from a Corsair II. And he knew that my grandfather flew a Corsair. So a little different. But uh, uh, he was he sent me this keychain from the skin of a Corsair II. Um, so very thoughtful and very thoughtful note. So Thank you so much once again at T-R-I-D-O-C-B. So, Brian, thank you. Much appreciated. And the crew out, Jackson Police Department, Jackson, Wyoming. Um, thank you, guys. Really appreciate this, and uh, really appreciate all you do. Thank you for the coin as well and the patch. So, um, yeah, I dropped off some books for these guys, and they um, sent me this, and everybody signed the card. Very cool. So, thank you, guys um what else boom send me so go to sendmemovie.com and you can find out more about this the fall of kabul and go to amazon amazon prime you can watch the movie if there are any profits it all goes to the save our allies mission so send me movie it's emotional it's powerful uh and i was honored to be invited on board to be an executive producer for this so sendmemovie.com or Amazon Prime. Go and check it out there. All right. That's it for today. Take care out there. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. To find out more about this film, MVP, go to vetsandplayers.org. Check out the organization. Click on the film, go check it out tonight in theaters across the country. Executive producer Sylvester Stallone. You can follow Nate on his social channels, which are Nate Boyer37 on Twitter, but definitely go to vetsandplayers.org and check that out. 
You can follow me on the social channels at Jack Carr USA, officialjackcar.com. That is the website. You can sign up for the newsletter there. You can click on shop for the merch. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and also subscribe. Until the next time, take care out there. Be safe, stay strong, keep fighting. In case you missed it, on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original, Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels, mm. you know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What box do you fit in? Which exactly, box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy and, or right, right. An How, uh, Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.